0: So, this is the week where I officially break ranks with the Italians. <gasps> I'm getting off this bandwagon early.
1: The hard yards, passionate about sport. It's gone to the short side. Oh, it's not gone to the short side. It's gone to the try line. And try Murray. I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi, Rob. Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. And Ring Rose comes through Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose Ring Rose is going here What a score
0: Hello I'm Andy McGeady And you're very welcome to the Hard Yards We have a packed show lined up for you today I have Stephen Ferris and Pat McCarry in studio And coming up later we have an interview with Ireland Munster and Lions Scrum half Connor Murray And we also talk to player agent Niall Woods So, gentlemen, Pat Mr Ferris, good morning Good
1: morning, how are we? You all good? Pretty good. Good.
0: Yeah. the um, We were actually just talking uh, before we started with the big red recording button, uh, <laughs> but you didn't actually get the trip to South Africa to with BBC, did you? No. For I didn't. For the rest of this it didn't
1: make the cut, but I don't think too many people made the cut. There's a, there's a bit of a rumour floating around that the players went business class and the rest of the management coaches, physios, strength and conditioning coaches all were in the back of the plane. So um, is that a nice sort of change right there, from what it, it used to be? Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's, there's only 25 players have travelled.
0: Yeah, the so small it's, squad.
1: It's, it's a small squad, so there'll be, you know, during training uh, along the week there won't be a lot of bodies to train against. You'll be more or less training against space and just going through patterns, and um, that itself can be a challenge. But uh, it's a huge game for Ulster. It is a massive game because if, if some somehow if they lose. Well, it'll be three defeats in a row. The pressure's already starting to come on to Les Kiss and the rest of the coaching staff. Um, it's 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 going to be uh, the fans aren't happy at the minute, as as everyone's aware of. Yeah. Pat, well, well, Pat's been up there a couple of times in Belfast. It is starting to get a bit <laughs> yeah. a bit hostile at times, isn't it? It's funny because even even after a great result, like when they beat Wasps,
2: you can actually see Kiss is more relieved than happy. He's just like there's a weight off his shoulders again and stuff. So hmm. the pressure's really on them and. Um, yeah, it was just the manner of the, the the two defeats that they got beaten. You know, like it's they got well beaten in both games, which kind of rankles with a lot of people.
0: Well, spin back to last weekend, then up in uh, Kingspan, twenty five ten to
2: Leinster. It was a really good start to the game. If mm. you're a Leinster fan, though, that Jordan oh. Armus
0: try was fantastic.
2: Yeah, yeah, he came on and. Um, because McCloskey basically just KO'd uh, Noel Reeds um, so what was it Larimore came on and it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because he just just destroyed the Ulster yeah. what, what was the what was the great
0: quote about wingers uh, in, in football that he left the fullback with twisted blood that was <laughs> Ian Henderson <laughs> <laughs> when, when you look at him just getting stepped inside it, yeah. brilliant to watch
2: yeah and then he followed it up didn't he again like he stepped another man then on, on his way so what was yeah. it uh, yeah real talent that lad
1: yeah it was Aaron Cairns that he stepped on the way through but it was just you now that just kind of for me exactly explains where Ulster are at the minute that they don't trust the man inside them they don't trust the man outside them and Ian Henderson was slightly corner flagging and mm. he was stepped inside and if, so- if somebody stepped inside the, the man in sh- inside should at least be a speed bump or clip the guy to slow him yeah, down offer
0: himself as a sacrifice on the yeah, way through and yeah. there,
1: was, uh, there was no one there no. and the young kid just went hold on a and second and he stepped
0: Marshall as well Marshall is, is no slouch was, I mean, it, was it not Cairns? Oh, Cairns, Cairns. Yeah, yeah He stepped Cairns, Cairns,
1: And then Cairns actually Nearly got back And, mm. and was able to get Dislodged the ball So I'm not sure what his Top end pace is like Because He looked really sharp Off the yeah. mark But when he got going He kind of just Stayed at that yeah. one pace uh, But for me That's just That's where Ulster are they're, yeah. they're just Littered with mistakes And against the big teams You can't do it so all of these
0: players they played the Interpros two big Interpros. pros Connacht Munster was very good mm. um very good game actually come yeah. On, yeah. To Connacht.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. on to Connacht <laughs> they were up for that game like uh, they were, yeah but they, all these yeah.
0: players have to then arrive in, in Ireland camp um and uh what what's that like when you've you've just you know beaten the crap out of each other the previous weekend or the previous two weekends ago
1: and say hey, lads <laughs> <laughs> yeah all friends again it can be strange for sure but um yeah, like the, the, the lads know each other inside out, they've played with each other for a lot of years. Um look like, had you there, ever unloaded Had you
0: ever unloaded someone very recently and they're the first person you see when you're walking into the hotel?
1: Not really. No, 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 no not really. Why do I find that hard to believe? Because <laughs> Deki Kidney always rested there as international, <laughs> that's why I never played in them. <laughs> uh but yeah, it can be strange. I think it it's more awkward when you go into Ireland camp and Leinster and Munster have qualified for the quarter final of the European Cup and like Mm. year after year after year Ulster never qualified and then it kind of swapped around for a few years where Ulster qualified for what four years in the spin yeah Mm Um, and I was involved in a couple of those years and it was great you walked in with a chest puffed tight yeah. and you are like here i go <laughs> 10 foot yeah, tall yeah, yeah. yeah the monster boys are heads down that's the way we felt for years yeah, and yeah, years yeah. but um, no it, it stuck in the training I'm sure Roy will be saying to Devon Turner thanks for making me look like an idiot at the weekend <laughs> Get, getting up in the air every line out but uh, yeah no that's it it's a bit of banter maybe
0: yeah so there's um, I mean the Ireland squads released, released uh, there's the well publicised absence of um of Tiernan O'Halloran yes. Sorry, Simon <laughs> Zebo. Um <laughs> but the there's a couple of surprises I said I'd say Dave Kearney's fairly lucky to be in there. Um yeah. but it's good to see, you know, you've got James Ryan still in there, um, treadwell from the Ulster point of view, uh, Mr. Herring, uh, Mr McCluskey's in there, these guys who are well situated
1: to to add to their cap tally. Yeah, I'd like to get Pat's view on it about Sean Cronin. Yeah. Um for me he is a highly underrated player um, he, Any time he comes off the bench he makes an impact Maybe he's not a starter in a, in a green jersey But I, I just can't get my head around why somebody like Sean Cronin isn't in that squad And I don't know, Pat, is there something that's can say it or done over the last number of weeks I know he was struggling with a couple of injuries uh, yeah. early on in the season but yeah and
2: then he um, he didn't feature did he last weekend so m- maybe there's there's something that you, we just haven't been real tol- really told as well but I was surprised yeah because like you're looking at all the other headline stories out of it and then I came back and looked at the squad yesterday and I saw Herring was there and I was like hold on a second you know like it did a double take where's Cronin and um, it's kind of surprising as well and and he's a guy that like we, we'd we spoken in the past with you know, Ronan O'Gara about this and he was saying that he always had to give Sean Cronin the pep talk and tell him he's good enough and Cronin would be thinking of packing it in and stuff so like when we're talking about players who were out of contract and stuff like that Cronin would be a guy who the premiership or top 14 clubs would love as well and um, it's just strange not to see him there and, and not an injury that we've heard of either so so what's going on there mm.
0: and uh, Rory Scannell didn't make it now, this is, mm, he's been yeah. leapfrogged so yeah. you've got Chris Farrell in um, McCluskey retains his place uh, and then of course Bundiaki's in yeah it seems to be bad timing but he'd be a player now I could see Ireland leaning on in future because he's got a skill set that the other guys don't match
2: Rory Scannell yeah yeah um, yeah, strange and everybody talking him up and he's been in and out of the um, Munster squad which is a bit strange so it was good to see him and Farrell were teamed up um, mm. you know there in the last game like as well but yeah another it was an odd one like and there was a few strange ones like Adam Burns coming straight in and um, as I said like but w- uh, we, we talked about that before though um, with
0: uh, James Downey I'm sure mm. we sort of going look is it the sort of thing where Adam Burns gets brought in to Ireland camp so Schmidt can give him a load of homework I'd <laughs> say, listen, son. You, you, I here's me, me to you directly. You've got all the talent in the world going forward, but you need to fix X, Y, and Z now.
2: Yeah, it's a straight like it, it could be a one a, a Gilroy situation here where Byrne gets to go against Fiji, scores two tries, and then
1: we don't see him again for two years, and he's still doing his homework that Schmidt's given him. Like, yeah. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's got all the attributes that Joe Schmidt like. He maybe just got a little bit more X factor. He um mm-hmm. he he's just got pace and you can't buy pace um, and you know I, I think is he lucky to be in there maybe ahead of some of the other players but he's playing in a team that's winning every single week and mm. are playing very very well and he's playing well so um, he's in there he deserves a chance and i probably agree with Pat I think he'll get a run out against Fiji and then you know you might not see him against uh, Argentina the following week
2: we were, we were just talking about um the question was put out there about Zeebo as well. And um, I don't know, I suppose it's a week now we've had to digest it. But um, I, I was surprised that he wasn't there. Like, I thought he was going to be allowed to play till the end of the season. Uh, Schmidt's talking about, like, oh, I'll still keep an eye on you. But he said that type of stuff about Marty Moore and Ian Madigan never to be seen again in a green jersey. Like, <laughs> like I, I could still, like, there's a possibility that if there's injuries and stuff, like maybe if Rob Carney hadn't came back, Zeebo might have been in that squad. But Kearney gets another run out while well, they see if Carberry's going to be the man that takes over but uh, he would have been my starting fullback anyway but again I can see why they're doing it because a lot of lads are out of contract and they're just trying to discourage so actually,
0: It's exactly the opposite of what England did with Ben oh, really? So England picked Ben Tao after uh, he had signed he hadn't played for Worcester yet Yeah, yeah. but after he had signed they said right that's his intent so that's our mm. ethical loophole mm-hmm. and Ireland had gone right round the other way and said no listen if your intent is to go abroad that's enough for us it's the thought that counts back off
1: yeah well like uh, Tag Furlong Irish tight head prop his contract's up Rory Best contract's uh-huh. up this season does this send a message that lads whatever you're doing shut up well, don't say a word uh, until you've actually <laughs> I'm telling you now if, if there's a half a million pound 600,000 pound paycheck put in front of any one of those lads yeah. they would be silly men to turn it down and it doesn't matter what's around the corner or, or anything um, you know you, it's a short career as I well know and uh, you know, I really really feel sorry for Simon Zebo I think it was very petty of Joe Smith the way it's all been handled um, I think he's he's uh, Simon Zeb was a Munster player. He plays for Munster. He's playing his rugby within Ireland. He's putting his body on the line week in, week out for that red jersey. So he's representing Munster with a lot of heart and a lot of passion, a lot of commitment. So why can't he represent Ireland with exactly the same? Because you'll know you'll get it. He brings something completely different, full-back, and he would be my starting full-back as well. Rob Carney, rock solid, we all know what he's capable of, good in the air, good left foot. But Simon Zebo, when you're playing against the likes of South Africa and you get the ball back on a counter-attacking opportunity, you want Simon Zebo on the ball, and people say that he's not fast. It, everybody says, oh yeah, Simon Zebo he doesn't have the wheels. He does have the wheels, he just runs around and f- floats around the pitch. Mm. And he's deceptively fast and he's got that goose step that everybody loves to see and he can pull a rabbit out of a hat. And I feel sorry for the fella. He's made a decision. And if I was him and his boots, I would have probably made exactly the same decision. And uh, he's just got to stick by it now. And, you know, maybe two, three, five years down the line. And somebody, I didn't actually realise at the time he was half French. um, um, His his father was Mauritius, yeah. So oh, wait, hold on, is it Mauritius?
0: Yeah, I think is so. It Mauritius, is check, it? check, check that. Check that. Th- Don't quote me; he's <laughs> not half bad. Yeah, we'll get, the, we'll get the
2: producer on it there and see if he can just think yeah. Out. I want to fact check live, please. <laughs> so Martinique. Thank you. That's it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think it was always in the back of his mind that he wanted to go and experience ropey somewhere somewhere else Um, living a different culture, uh, different city, and uh, he's going to do that earlier in his career than he probably expected I
0: think that's the thing that's fairly clear to everyone it is that sort of maybe a year and a half two years sooner
1: than Mm. everyone actually expected and they they've probably already come to terms with Yeah, but if he goes to France when he's 32, 33 he's not going to be an unbelievable fullback he could go over and absolutely light his top 14 up and Joe you know he could be saying in a year's time saying here Joe look what you're missing out on there's something else that I started thinking about though because you
0: started probably overthinking this and I was going well if he went next year that really would be that bad time because it would push the IRFU into a corner right mm-hmm. but if he goes now does he become the best player ever because he's not able to play for Ireland Do you know what I mean and uh, you get the sort of in football it'll be the Andy Reid syndrome or whatever <laughs> else where suddenly the, the longer he doesn't play mm. the better that people say he mm-hmm. would be but uh, out of interest uh, Fed did you ever get like a some club waving massive money well at I
1: had signed uh, when Pat and I were writing my mm. autobiography, Man and Ball banning in any Eastern store, still a five-star reviews on we, Amazon. We need Get a we need a plug <laughs> little drop for Paul to drop ain't Yeah, the amount of times I've been on the hard yards and it hasn't been mentioned. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I was out of contract when more or less when I busted my ankle. Yeah, and it wasn't a good time. I was a centrally contracted player with the RFU, and I didn't actually realise that uh, Simon Ziba wasn't a centrally contracted player I thought he was yeah, there's not,
0: yeah there's not as many at the central contracts as I think is generally there's thought.
1: plenty in Leinster <laughs> <laughs> Jesus
0: yeah they, felt they can there feel is. that in the RDS right now
1: i say so, if you look at it yeah it's probably nine maybe nine of yeah. Leinster like yeah so yeah I injured myself sat in front of David Humphreys and he says this is the offer from the RFE and I said are you joking I was like it's half of what it was on last year I was like your contract's supposed to go up and he's like well this is the way it is, you're right injured at the minute we're sort of not sure where you're at so I literally walked out and I, I was really pissed off you know, you gave your heart and soul and everything and there's me absolutely busted um, and yeah, I just felt like it was a kick in the stones and when I was chatting with my agent Ryan Constable and we talked through a few options and went back and I said David I want to stay I want to play for Ulster, I want to play for Ireland He says, this is what we'll do and I came back and it was not even two thirds of what I was on so uh, yeah I more or less went back to Ryan and there was a couple of different options come up I was chatting to Vernon Cotter at Claremont um, chatted to him a number of times on the phone but uh, made a decision signed a contract with coca Red Sparks in Japan 8 month contract I would have been the first Irish player to kind of break that duck of going, going, uh, going overseas or going to Japan mm. um, while you're probably still one of the the, the picks in the back row if, if fit so uh, yeah that's what that's what it on unfortunately I wasn't able to f- fulfill that contract just because of the ongoing ankle issues but you know but that was your
0: intent there that was my intent yeah let, let's make let's make the coin in the best way you can while keeping your options open as well exactly as,
1: yeah and, and my plan was to go and play for eight months c- come back at, at, or like a not a pre contract in place but more or less um, the decision to come back and play mm. for Claremont for a year and a half, two years, and then try and represent come back and play for Ulster or Leinster, whoever yeah. it might have been, and, and and get the World Cup. But it was not a, to be first. It wasn't to be. No. Um, and I had to come crawling back to the RFU <laughs> <laughs> for a contract. Yeah,
0: now my ankle define, honestly. <laughs> yeah.
1: But here, look I could have tried to, I could have pulled the wool over everybody's eyes yeah. and I didn't do that. So um I think the RFU respected that too. But well, listen, speaking of
0: Japan. Pat, so fresh off the presses. So if anyone mm. doesn't know, we record very very early on <laughs> a
2: Thursday morning, and
0: yeah, the, Jap- the Pchan, uh, Japan, Japan. <laughs> schedule is out for the Ruby World Cup.
2: Yeah, they um, yeah they made it there this morning, and Ireland. Uh, yeah, it got a pretty. It's a pretty, pretty tough start. It's um, Scotland first on the twenty second of September, and that's in I think the Yokohama International Stadium. So it's a big seventy odd thousand seater stadium there. Um, Fifty point win for Ireland. Well Hold yeah. on, <laughs> <laughs> you and Jamie Heaslip just winding the Scots up. Um, so that's first, and then it's only a six day turnaround until we play Japan then in the second game. So. The two big games, I'd say, you'd say in that in that pool to try to get into the knockout stages and they were in six days of each other. So, uh, And then after that, I think it's Europe 1, who we're thinking could be, you're talking about Spain, Romania, something like that. It's, ba-
0: it's basically anyone who's not Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Who's the top of anyone who's not Georgia? That's who we play in that next game. And that's on a Thursday and then we play. So we've, we've got that short turnaround after the Japan game. But then we've got a good, I think, nine or ten days yeah. until we play what could be Samoa.
2: Yeah, on the last day which is a tricky pool
0: <laughs> yeah I mean look it's it's a good pool we, yeah. you know the Ireland's chances haven't changed because of this draw but uh, I certainly I thought that Japan were going to open up against Ireland as a huge you know uh, I think it would be big but yeah not to be um, it's interesting there, there will be we'll examine this closer in a, in a, in a future um, future future part I think Just looking at the schedule there was obviously a huge amount of coverage the last couple of World Cups about the short turnarounds mm. And just looking at it very quickly you see uh Fiji and Europe 1 both have those tight turnarounds straight off the bat. Um wow, well, we're gonna have the same stuff again, I'm sure. But look, it's a hard it's a hard thing to manage. Uh then the rugby world cup bid. That's the other big news this week. Um. <laughs>
1: Are we going to go into this? Yeah. Are you sure, Andy? <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody, everybody was so confident, and uh, you know, you're walking around Dublin or Belfast, whatever city you're in in, in Ireland, and everybody's just talking about, "Oh, we can't wait for this Rugby World Cup 2023 to come to Ireland. It's going to be amazing." <laughs> blah blah blah. You already bought the house next door to open yeah. up as an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, and then everybody just comes crashing back down to earth um after after the initial report which came came back there only a couple of days ago yeah. so we're still not out of it however i think a part of me is it's not looking to the fact that <laughs> it's 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 going to be probably France or South Africa I yeah
2: i think we might have a few Votes are already locked up, you know, like you know, already. Like, so, like, are, is, is the money is only resting in the account? Is what, like, they would have made agreements, and like, you know, uh, sure, we've been playing the USA an awful lot in the last couple of years as well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we might play them again in the next couple of years. Like, we play Oman in the football all the time, but um, and, and agreements, like, yeah, agreements like, let we'll promote your game here, and and, and all that. Type well, of stuff well so. that,
0: that's what that was one of the things with which Ireland will use the island made a big deal of. It's, oh, we'll be big in the states. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> turned out that wasn't a big card, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you talk about risk, I mean, look where did where did Ireland's bid fall down? If you look, if anyone wants to have a real good time, read the 139 pages mm-hmm. or or some of it, just to see what they're looking at here. And it's a very risk based approach and Ireland's bid falls down around the infrastructure and stadiums. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to look back is it, And I think questions will be asked about maybe it's complacency around the general public or, or anybody else. Because Dick Spring, the bid chairman in 2015, had said, I'm very confident in one level, the infrastructure, <laughs> talking about the stadiums in place. I'm sure that's the bit which was
1: very obviously going to be the weakest part of the bid and turned out. To be so mm. uh, I mean but, but if, you bal- if you balance the Irish stadiums up with South African and, and the French like it's it's like night and day like I was there in 2007 at the World Cup the stadiums the boys were playing in it was just unbelievable that the, the support that was brought also and then South Africa you look at the the football World Cup and stadiums oh sure you need an 80,000 seater stadium right we'll just build it we'll just build mm. it and 18 months mm. and there you go you have a brand new facility that's sitting vacant now and it's not getting any use out of it they're like right hold on we'll bring a Rugby World Cup here we'll get these stadiums filled again and the way that the South African Rugby is at the minute there's a point made on Joe Live last night um, maybe a, a, a bit of politics around it like South African Rugby it's not in a good place at the minute and bringing a World Cup to South Africa or at least all the hype that will be building up to 2023 will maybe inject a little bit of uh, a little bit of spark and a little bit more enthusiasm into South African rugby because it does need it. Um, you know, Razi's obviously gone back there, and I just think it would be perfect timing for them to go right. You know, you know, you think about rugby, what's the first name that comes into onto your lips? It's New Zealand. Who's second? It's probably South Africa. Mm-hmm. So and, and now nobody really talks about them as being one of the, the elite teams. You know, mm-hmm. They got beaten by over 50 points by New Zealand only a couple of weeks ago. And they really need to turn things around. So this is a, a huge opportunity to go, right, world rugby, this gets South Africa back to where we know they can be. Um, and yeah, for, for, for me, I just think it's uh, South, Africa's, South Africa's to lose, really seems to be at the moment Um, but
0: I think if if nothing else Ireland are just they're a good way back in what is a key part of it but if you look at it risk-based um, and I think that Gordon Darcy made a very good point in the Irish Times this week saying look 2023 cannot be a developmental World Cup when you look at what they're doing here 2019 is their development one in Japan mm. uh, 2015 was get the money in mm. in England 2011 was like
2: okay let's let's do something for the game quote unquote yeah they might never go back there again that was the admission at the time they might never go back to New Zealand 2007
0: again. France you know that's our get the money in so the cycle for this one is get the money in, yeah, you know, uh, and I think there's probably Ireland. <laughs> well, we'll see.
2: The thing that I, I, um, yeah, it's like the South African talk is all this like uh, this could heal the nation and this could fix it. I hate all that type of stuff. It's like a sporting event's not going kind to. Of to fix anything that's, like the Ryder want, Cup didn't no, fix that's, Ireland
0: that's the equivalent of Ireland saying everyone will have a great time yeah yeah you know what I mean you can't that's that's not something you do now one interesting thread which I think we will see come come through this is the uh, the, the anti-doping request oh the French made of thing yeah. so um, there's a couple of different papers picked this up it's a good spot uh, it's really interesting that the Rugby World Cup would identify this as a risk in France so they would they would want an understanding for want of a better term Um, That anyone who was caught uh, with a positive drugs test, um, that the police wouldn't immediately step in in France. Um, But there's good points made by Tim O'Connor on Twitter, who's always worth a follow for legal aspects of uh, sport. Why would they do this? When they don't do it for the Six Nations. They don't do it for touring matches in France. They don't do it for um Europe for Champions Cup matches in France. Really interesting that they'd asked for it. Mm-hmm. Um it's an interesting route. Uh, South Africa have asked Ireland and France to take the high moral ground, Fez. How is our high moral ground? Are we just gonna back down and
2: say, No, nah, you're grand, you can have it? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, if they could maybe get get read the tea leaves and see you know are we going to definitely lose this thing and then you might go back to South Africa and say all right we'll drop out but we want to get back for 2027 20,
0: that's how this works yeah you know this that's how this is going to work but we'll see i, I think, think i
1: think it it's it's like a dream I, like i have this vision of ireland playing like australia in the world cup final on this 90,000 capacity stadium like brand new stadium built in Dublin like I have this like you mean, dr- we, dream or something Do you mean
0: finishing Crowe Park do yeah? you?
1: <laughs> With Fi. <wifi. laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's a lot, a lot of the Irish fans have this kind of vision in the back of their head that you know you will watch rugby matches within Ireland that have the same venues as France or South Africa but that's not the case we all know the atmosphere you can generate in Ireland but at the end of the day, you got to get bums on seats, and as you uh, referred to, or alluded to there, Andy, it's about getting getting the cash flow, and I think that's that's massive for for international rugby at the minute. Seems to
0: be well. Look, we'll uh, we'll see where that one goes. I think November fifteenth, Pat, is the date. Where November fifteenth, yeah. <laughs> du, du, yeah. yeah. I the, se- d- the
2: secret <laughs> ballot, and then we'll see the knives out afterwards if something <laughs> changes. I'm just thinking of your dreams being narrated by Liam Neeson as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're definitely ending that one there right
0: I <laughs> end <laughs> on Fez's dreams uh, he'll be back in later to answer your Twitter questions next up we have an interview with uh, Ireland and Munster and Lion Scrum have Conor
2: The Hard Yards passionate about sport
0: you're welcome back to The Hard Yards uh, Pat you're on the road again
2: Yes, yes, this time we didn't have to go too far up to uh, Leafy D4 uh, That's alright. Yeah, the the bridge, the bridge uh, bar that some of the rugby boys are, are involved in so uh, I was up there for uh, the launch of Vodafone's uh, Who We Are Is How We Play campaign. That's, yeah. Jesus, you've got two mentions in now before we even talk about <laughs> who you were talking to. Free <laughs> <laughs> free texting data and a free sandwich next time I go up there um, so yeah, that's going to be coming out for the Guinness series so Connor was up and uh, he was chatting about that and the background and stuff stuff like that and um, I, I thought it would be a good idea to have a good kind of just a chat about like you know Murray the, the guy who, who he was before he became the player and um, you know as a fan as a friend and stuff like that so it was a good chat with him he was he's in really good form
0: he was yeah it's, it's, it's a really good interview this um, he talks about his Lions experience talks mm. even about you know being vulnerable uh, when he's trying his box kicking there's obviously been a lot of coverage about that over the last sort of season maybe and also talking about Simon Zebo as a friend Not yeah. as a player, as a friend um, I think I think it's really good But you started off by asking him about his early days Going to Thurman, Thurman Park as a fan
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of um, standout games But I think going to Thurman Park was was the one that stands out most to me We used um, our family friends, uh, the Kellys, um, Mary and Dom they used, They're big Munster fans and they used to bring uh, me and my sister, along with their uh, their two uh, daughters, Emer and Bevan, to the to the monster games, and we used to oh, we used to be there uh, two or three hours early before kick off and get a place just by the tunnel. Um, so obviously you could be real close to the players coming in and out of their warm up, and uh, you could soak up the atmosphere from from uh, a couple of hours before kick off. So um, that's my kind of monster memory is definitely just just heading to Thomond when it, when there was no one there really just waiting. Uh, for The place to fill up, and, and, and you know, it was mainly for the Heineken games and, and experiencing those big nights. Mm. Um, I remember I was in the by the tunnel for the uh the miracle game against Gloucester, um, and it was uh, was it Duncan McRae, Is that your man who uh, who punched Rod? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was playing, and I think it was, was it, I think he was playing in that game, mm. um, certainly one of those big games, anyway, and like just. After the final whistle, I just remember I was above the tunnel. And he was sprint, he sprinted into the dressing rooms because I presume he just feared for his <laughs> his life because the the abuse he was getting after monster fans all day was it was uh was funny, yeah, <laughs> funny. The, um, we were even kind of talking about like just still being a fan of the game and, and still
2: even the first few years of coming up through it. Like, is there anybody a player that you kind of came across that you were almost in awe
3: of when you were talking to or met after a game? Um, yeah, It was I think when i When I left uh, school, I went to young Munsters. Um, you know Gary Owen was my club really I played my uh, rugby when I was younger, and then uh, after school you know we had, a, we had a really good senior cup team, and the majority of us were really good friends and we all kind of decided to go to young Munster afterwards and that's how that kind of grew. And we had a great two years there um, We had loads of fun and, and we had a good team, so we were winning quite a bit and um the end of the first year, I got called up to um, the senior team to play. Uh, I think it was Bective at home mm. in um, in Tom Clifford Park in, in Limerick, and I just remember being in the dressing room. Uh, I think it was it was before. It was definitely beforehand, and. Uh, you know, Paul O'Connell walked in. I know Paulie now; and now. he's a, a friend of mine. But back then, he, he was Paul O'Connell, and uh, he walked into the dressing room and shook, knew everyone by name, uh, came up to me and best of luck today, Connery. I hope you go well. And you know, heard heard good things about you. And I was just kind of like rabbing the headlights. I said, like, oh my God, <laughs> did he just come in and say hello or say my name or whatever. And um, you know, that's a moment, kind of looking back on that. You know, that happened, and then maybe I think it was a year. Maybe uh, under a year later, he was in the academy and I was training with them, and you know mm. you were throwing balls to, to him and and, and being given out to by him. Uh, <laughs> so it was an uh, interesting kind of comparison to make between between those two times.
2: At the um, we were up talking to Ulton Deland there recently, and he was talking about uh, he got like a jersey, swapped a jersey at the end of a game, mm. and he's like, oh, I must fish it out now. Like yeah, know, like some guys probably will. Have them all framed and stuff like that. But yeah. if there are a couple of jerseys that you got after games, you swap the players that stand out for you as well. Yeah, right?
3: yeah, I have. I have. Um, I don't keep that many jerseys. Like I'll swap. If I swap, I'll keep them and mm. I'll keep my, you know, my international jerseys and you know, big monster game ones. But uh, I have them. I have them in a in a wardrobe in my house. Just they're all folded, put it put it away, and and, and I don't really look at them. But I have a couple that I do. I do have framed. I have um, <laughs> Aaron Smith's jersey framed in my house. Um, great guy, obviously a great player, um, and played against him a number of times now, and um, you know, I have good chats with him after games, and just someone you respect that much, um, you know, and, and to get an all-black jersey is pretty special too, because you don't usually uh, swap them too often, so uh, oh, yeah. actually I actually have two of his jerseys, I have one of them framed, and one of them from uh, last year, um, and then uh, early, in my, early in my international career I swapped with Mike Phillips, which was uh, special, special mm. for me, because I obviously admired him really since I was young and then looked up to him and then and to play against him was um, a, a big moment you know a nerve-wracking moment also because you, you know you had seen him you know, do so well for Wales when you weren't a rugby player or you weren't a professional rugby player and then you saw him do so well for the Lions in South Africa in particular and um, and then you got to go and, and play against him play with him uh, with the Lions in 2013 and I uh, have that frame too I've yet to put it up but I can't find a place for it I think I um, think my mom might want it more and more so than me. She's a big Mike Phillips fan, so I might, I might send it out home. Um,
2: and then I suppose just, yeah, you, you mentioned Aaron there, like on the, the line So last time we spoke was just before you yeah. headed over and you were, were talking about this habit you had of scoring in the big games against New Zealand, and yeah. you did it again in Wellington as well. Were we you happy that you were able to stand up and kind of even from early doors you were in that looked like a test yeah. squad, like happy with how the whole tour went for yourself?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, definitely happy with how it went. I think going out there, um, you know, the competition was was hot, um, <laughs> big time for first come half and, you know, got to know Reese Well really well on tour and um knew him before then, but just, you know, being on tour with someone mm. you get to know him quite quite a lot and um, you know, massive respect for him as a as a as a person as a and as a player and to, you know, to start the three tests was um it was massive for me. I think it, it was a you know looking back or being honest now it was a goal you know trying to try and get into the test team and you know to be able to start in three test games was definitely something I I wanted to do and, and to be able to do that was great and um, I think more importantly to be able to contribute in the tests and 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 not be overawed by the by the occasion and, and not be taken aback by all the great players you're surrounded by I think you know you take confidence from getting a nod and getting selected for mm-hmm. for the lines and you know you're de- then you kind of say to yourself you're there for a reason so just go out and play and be be as good a player as you can be. And, um strange ending to the tour. Strange ending to the tour. Mm-hmm. But um, looking back now and looking how well New Zealand are going, I know they've lost a couple of games recently. But you know they're they're still the number one side in the world. And it's a good. It's you know it's not a win, but it's not a loss. It's a weird. It's it's a really. Uh, I've described this many times. I still can't really describe it that well. It's it's just a weird feeling uh, of of drawing. But you know to draw uh, with a team like that that are so settled when you're in a team that, that shouldn't really work if you think about it, four countries coming together and, and, and trying to, to win a, a test series against the best team in the world is, is a really difficult thing to do so I think we can be definitely proud of it um, definitely proud of it <laughs> but to describe it it's, it's just a weird weird feeling to share share a cup
2: The um, There was a funny one I was listening to a few of the podcasts from New Zealand when during the tour and uh, they were talking about a few guys were raving about the box kicks you were doing in Christchurch that you were sending it up above the floodlights yeah. to make it even more dazzling for their players going down is that a tactic did you see that Like, was
3: nah, that no but I, I think I just uh, I kick it as high as I can basically yeah. and I think the the, the stadium it was, that was against the Crusaders wasn't it that was my yeah. first game so um, he, no I think I think it was just the night that was in it it was obviously a, 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 um, at night time it was quite dark and you know when, when it went above the um, the lights, you know, maybe it just confused them a little bit, but it's definitely, definitely not a tactic. I'm not that clever to, to be thinking about that during a game, yeah. even enough to be thinking about. But um, I think that on that night we did a lot, of, we did a lot of kicking. I know um, uh, Owen Farrell played ten as well, and, and you know we had to do a lot of kicking that night just because of the conditions. And um, you know we won uh, that game. It was a tough game to win. They were they were, they were um, super yeah, champions, yeah, they weren't they? It, yeah. So you know it was a big game for us, and they had a lot of All Blacks playing in their squad. So. Um, yeah, that was that was a good night as well.
2: The um, just from even your own technique and box kicking. Uh, I was there in Limerick at the weekend, and Nakarwara was coming for you as you did one big guy, yeah. <laughs> and you still managed to get get the boxing away. How vulnerable are you when you're doing that? And do you have to just trust your technique. And
3: uh, yeah, you got to trust your technique definitely. Um, the fact that I, I kind of step backwards in it and like it gets me away from those those big tall mm. fellas, and you got to trust those guys around you. Those um, those fours that kind of. Give, make a wall for you basically and protect, protect the, the smaller yeah. people like me so um yeah you just got to trust your technique and you know there's been times where you know it's just that close to to getting charged down and you know it's not ideal getting charged down there because you're in a bit of in a bit of trouble so um yeah if you can avoid that um, I, I'd be much happier yeah the, um, it, it's funny to actually see
2: you cuz I suppose we're in the press box sometimes the eve even you're further away but when you're at home and you're much closer mm-hmm. to the action but the way you see you kind of like um just your, the call the shots around the pitch. Like I've seen you just pushing Peter O'Mahony away from a ruck at one stage. You're giving instructions as well. It's just, do you feel comfortable there? Like you know, you said you used to go there as a kid, but how comfortable do you feel now playing at Telman Park?
3: Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's uh, it's my home, um, and I think you know, you're part. I'm a monster. I'm from Munster. I'm Munster man, Limerick man, and very proud of that. And you know, you, you sense it off the crowd that you're you're, you're all similar and you're all kind of. Um, you share a common goal you know the Munster fans like we've said before they're unbelievably intelligent about rugby and they know what they want they know how to win and um, playing their um, you know the crowd side of things I just embrace it I think the bigger the, the, bigger the game the more you should enjoy it because there's a bigger crowd a bigger buzz uh, in the lead up and then the atmosphere on the day is, is massive so if you can't enjoy them you're just uh, you know you're, you're putting yourself under way too much stress and you're you're in the wrong game so that that part of it i definitely enjoy and then the team side of things so I feel really comfortable uh, I think it's part of your job to, to push and, and shove and shout at people um, you know and that's just something I've worked on over the years but um, I think we all, we all do it to each other we all kind of help coach mm. each other around the pitch anyway so um, that comes with playing with each other sure, playing with Pete since I was I um, yeah. don't know what age so I'll be well able to give him a, a kick off the arse if he needs it um, Not to ruin the surprise of him um, you
2: might be going for sushi with him later on Simon ego is a guy you probably Talked about it a good bit in the last, you know, couple of hours, couple of days. But um, what is he like as a as a friend? Like as a guy you've you've grown up for years. Like just you know, describe the man as not even the player, the friend, like the guy.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, one of my best mates, one of my best proper best mates. So um, you know, he only rang me and told me last Sunday that he was leaving. I was, uh, I knew it was it was coming. Uh, I mm. knew it, there was a good chance that it would happen. But um, you know, obviously congratulated him. It's it's a massive opportunity for him and. It, him and Alvira and, and, and Jacob and and Sophia, so um, you know, really exciting thing for them to do. And uh, from a selfish point of view, you're, you know, he's going, he's just living in a different country as a be- as a friend. If you look at it, if you're not talking about rugby, just as a friend, he's just living in a different country. You mightn't see him as often, but you know, I'm sure I'll be over there, and, and he'll be home um, every so often, and you'll, you will know, obviously still be best mates with him. So um, I think you know, as a as a friend, I I met him and then I met him. Oh. Probably in one of the summers down in Derry Nan, or, or one of the early trials, or, or whatever. Um, obviously heard about him coming up through the, through the ranks. I was I was a year older than him, uh, as he likes to tell me. Uh, so yeah, just you know, stroke stroke up a, a friendship straight away, just just through rugby, and then it's grown grown over the years. And he's um, yeah, he's a great fella. Like, you know, he, he just wears his heart in his sleeve. He's he he is who he is. He doesn't try hide any of that, and I respect that massively, massively about him. And. Uh, you know we've grown, grown into a, a great friendship and you know i think that has shown on the pitch as well i think we understand each other really well and um you know that's what kind of made me sad the other night i was thinking about all those good moments we've had on on the pitch and um you know linking up and and and, and creating scores and, and and just celebrating them and stuff. and um you know that that makes us really hungry to kind of do a bit more of that this year you know and and hopefully win some silver and then i'll just finish up with two questions to finish up but one of them is mm. just like
2: is there a time even again personally or, or as a player where he
3: kind of picked you up like is he good for that kind of like getting your spirits up after a defeat or maybe a bad performance yeah uh, definitely I think you know what What are you for me I suppose early early days um, you know he took it so seriously and was really like uh, regimental about what I did and everything and, and you know meeting Zebes, you know he just makes you relax before games and makes you enjoy it I spoke about like enjoying Tome and enjoying the atmosphere like Really early on, I, I didn't know whether that like that was the right way to do it. But definitely, he opens your eyes in terms of just you're getting to do what you love, um, you know. And you, you you're you're going to win games, you're going to lose games, and you know you just got to be willing to accept that. Obviously, you want to win all the time, but uh, you know dealing with it. You know, at the end of the day, you're playing a sport you love. Uh, you're, you're very lucky to do what you do, um, and, and you know you, you've got your family there watching your games, and it's it's all there's so many positives to take out of it without even looking at the result first. Firstly, so. Um, Know, he's that kind of character and he's definitely embedded uh, some of that kind of um, happy-go-lucky thing in me. And uh, he might be one of the guys who's good for it as well or even
2: just your mates that you grew up with or something like that. Are there, are there lads around you who are good at keeping you grounded? Like even if you have a good game, you're getting praised, lads. will get onto your WhatsApp and be like, "Here, like oh,
3: absolutely, yeah, absolutely." Even la- even last weekend, you know, we had a good win uh, against Racing, and then uh, I texted off one of my mates straight away. I was like, "What about that box chick you kicked out in the full?" Like, you know, <laughs> just straight away to the negative. But I think that's, I think that's really important. I think, um, especially in Munster as well, we slag each other about anything, um, and there's no fear of anyone getting getting uh, carried away with themselves. It's just uh, an open platform to slag. So. Uh, you know, we don't, we, we you know, we compliment each other now and then when we do something good, but more often than not, it's it's slagging. So, <laughs> well, used to that. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, it said you probably, your phone will be kept busy now over the next month or so. Big, yeah. big month ahead with Ireland, and yeah. good luck with it as well. Thanks for so Cheers. Great. Thank you.
0: Great stuff there from Conor Murray. Coming up next on the hard yards, we talk to rugby agent Niall Woodson Studio.
1: Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day.
3: You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing, really. Remember, Raj right, Kev in the Kline, he used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Chetlam. <laughs> like, every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under
1: The Hammer. Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day.
0: This is The Hard Yards. There's a lot of talk about player contracts at the minute with Simon Zebos' decision to move to France at the end of the season. But how do these contracts get sorted out behind the scenes? We're joined by player agent Niall Woods of Navy Blue to talk about his role in player contracts and what exactly being a player agent entails. Niall Woods, Hello. Hello there. Right. Um, For those who aren't aware who Niall Woods is, Niall Woods, former Irish International Wing, former head of Arupud, which is now the Rugby Players Ireland, the representative body for professional players here, and now head of Navy Blue, you're an agent.
4: I certainly am. Yeah. I did did my uh, grooming, so to speak, as a player, and then the Players Association, so I never set out to be an agent. Uh, Just... I wouldn't say I fell into it but it just sort of transpired out of representing players collectively So, we, so. we've all seen Jerry Maguire is that it is it? Oh that's it yeah <laughs> that's what it's about <laughs> Ironically Jerry Maguire, Maguire he's scrimping and saving which is which is uh, which is sort of the life of an agent by and large I think borrowing so- soccer agents or some golf agents but uh, it's a it's a tough enough existence You've, uh, you're dealing with sort of high achievers professional athletes and they uh, you don't do a good job for them they'll move on so
0: Right, here's some of the higher achievers you're dealing with Rhys Ruddock Geordie Murphy Issa Nathewa Guy Ring Rose Noel, Reed. Reid uh, and to get out of a Leinster centric mindset uh, John Ryan Marty Moore um, Andrew Conway James Tracy back to Leinster um, and also on the coaching side Conor O'Shea and James Colham Yeah Yeah So and that's th- that's a sum so you've got a lot of people's careers and livelihoods you're essentially involved
4: Yeah and I actually do a few sports media guys as well Darren Maloney Dave McIntyre, uh, Richie Sadler. So Pat's th- given you his card. <laughs> <laughs> he already yes. has. It. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think there's a Connor is a, a most recent one. He's probably mm-hmm. not most recent, but he's about six, seven months. Uh, obviously, we played together a lot. Right, I think Leinster twenties, the whole way up. We played in London, Irish, Ireland, everything. Mm. So we're very good friends. Probably speak two or three times a week. And I always sort of said we probably wouldn't work together uh, and then I started to look at representing coaches and I said I wanted to talk to them so we started to work together. So um, It's a completely different system because you're dealing with obviously generally older people like myself. Um, they have different priorities. Uh, play A player versus a coach is completely different to work with. So it's actually quite interesting to do it. OK, let, let's wind up back. What what do you typically do for a player? Because from the outside,
0: the, when we hear about agents, it's usually the contract's coming up. Something's appeared in a paper somewhere linking player X with club Y, right? Mm. Coincidentally, around the time that negotiations are going on, right? That's yeah. the only time we hear about an agent being involved. But what, what do you do for a player? Why would they hire an agent and give you a cut of their money?
4: They... Because they don't know how to do it themselves. To by and large, okay, they don't know the values. Uh, they could do it themselves do if you they mean, want. Do you mean their market value? Yeah, okay, um, and that comes at knowledge over years of experience. Uh, some like Johnny Sexton, I think he did his contract back into Ireland himself. He's had a, a bad couple of experiences with previous agents. So uh, you basically do everything for them. Um, I had a request yesterday. Could I get a younger client FIFA eighteen? Because he can't get it anywhere, he can't buy it anywhere. Do I have any access into getting it? I hear. So they're the small sort of things you can get. Is that uh, true? That's true. Ah, I'm also trying to get it for my nine year old. You, you won't have a word. <laughs> <laughs> if nine old, it, right? So uh, some of those things, and with some players, that's what they want okay. from an agent. Some players think that's what the agent's for, even though it's the contract predominantly. Uh, the bulk of my work is contract, though. Okay. Uh, for certain players, there's sponsorship work, sourcing appearances. Uh, you could be getting their car insurance, you're trying to, anything they, they'll they ask, I would always say, just ask me anything. If I can help, if I can do it, I will. I'll also factor in the the fact that you want them to be able to do things. They are groomed, they've come out of school and they're going into a pro rugby environment which is actually worse than school in some cases. Hmm. They don't know how to do a lot of things. If you try and get a player who hasn't had car insurance, who's 23 or 4, he doesn't know how to do it because he's never had to. Uh, so you're saying you have to go and get like your driving history, you have to get the insurance details. You've, they've probably been on the parent's policy. Uh, they find that sort of admin things hard to do. So is that just about removing some of the life stress from them so they can perform, or is that too simplistic? That sort of stuff isn't that they can perform. The, the, the what you remove stress wise is around the contract um, and the bigger things in life, particularly if he's older, if he's uh, mortgages. If he's married with children, that you keep the knowledge as long or as early as possible within reason on a contract, for example, that you can get it done as early as possible. And that always isn't possible because if a player is injured, it'll get pushed back later into the season. I remember doing a contract for James Colin when he was in Munster. Uh, it, it literally took about a week. It was not necessarily the easiest contract I've ever done. Uh, the fact that the way he was playing made it easier. Um, but it was done by the 1st of December and I can remember him saying you tell me I can relax over Christmas with my kids and hmm. I said yeah it's done do players always go for the highest offer on the table in terms of money no go to James actually that one I said to him I could probably get you a bit more and he said no that's what I wanted I'm happy to agree with. Hmm. What, what, um, was the, what was the difference let's say percentage wise that we're talking there Oh, I probably could have gone five to ten percent more yeah
0: um, and does that make a difference? Is, are you getting the same commission either way? Or: Yeah,
4: well, obviously the more I get them, the higher commission, the commission's five percent, so hmm. If it's a 100k, it's five grand. if it's a hundred fifty, it's whatever seven and a half k. so but you factor in a number of things over the longer term as well. Um, is it the right time to push, push, push for more money? It may not be, but also you listen to the client, and, and James is saying, "I'm happy." What so. if
0: you've multiple com- multiple clients at the same club? Because everything is connected to everything else.
4: No, you do them all individually. Yeah. Sometimes the club will try and link in a couple of clients. They'll send an email with two or three offers, and I'll just reply each one separately. Mm. Really? Um, just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ma- making a point of doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can't tie it in because it just doesn't work. So I mean, buy two, get one free. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they'll they'll probably try and give on one or two, and maybe not in the third one, so yeah. I always keep it separate. Yeah.
0: The, the player appearance thing is an interesting one, and I want to bring Pat in here because it, it's a trend we've seen from the media point of view, is that we see a lot of player appearances, the email goes out, um, Player X, let's say Jonathan Sexton this week, mm. is plastered all over the media in his Aer Lingus gear. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't know he was transferred to Aer Lingus, <laughs> but, you know. Um how d- how does that work and are all comfortable as pl- are all players comfortable with doing that now?
4: No, particularly the younger ones generally aren't. I think it's m- the gradually the older they get or the more experience they get. It's like them doing media interviews. They're generally not very good when they're younger, and the more practice or the more experience they get at doing it, the more comfortable they become. Uh, obviously the the player appearances or the personal appearances you get paid for them. So the higher profile players are generally the ones that get them. So Mm. you would be constantly looking as an agent uh, for appearances for players uh, with the right brand that fit the brand of the player and the brand in question. Sometimes they're sporadic once-off ones, sometimes you're doing one in the view that hopefully it'll lead to a longer term relationship for the player with the brand. Um but yeah, they're they're part and parcel of it. Uh, once they get into the system and playing playing regularly with the province if it's here and if if it's Ireland, they sort of are expecting that there'll be some work. Are those
0: um are those useful, those appearances or is it just rent a quote, Pat?
2: Oh uh, yeah, sometimes like they're um you know, sometimes the guys are if they're such pros they just are great at getting the mentions in every now and then and you can tell like but uh other ones um yeah, it's just a big group of like maybe 20 journalists who play the sandwiches in the middle and everybody tries to get in one question each and stuff. So um, at the air at the out good. Because like sometimes you're finding your your way blocked to get to certain players and the only way you can talk to them is just these appearances and stuff. And, and if you do get that 10, 15 minutes with them, you're almost delighted with it it's, it's, um, and then you see that they're getting a little bit of extra money on the side so some people can complain about it but uh, if you do get that 10-15 minutes with them I'm happy enough with it
0: Do you do much hands on stuff with players in terms of how they deal with the media um, before we started recording Gary Ringrose came up mm-hmm. Pat you said you know very smooth yeah,
2: brilliant yeah age of 22 and um, hand- just came in it was almost like one take done he was got in all the mentions he had to do, and then again, just came across as just a uh, just real nice guy as well, and and just even the thing of just chatting away afterwards. And then the thing I discovered, which sometimes surprises me about rugby players, is that he absolutely loves rugby as well. So and he was, isn't he, that nice? He had lined up nice the games bonus. that he was going to watch for the day, and I was like, oh, you're you're actually in the right industry here. You seem to love <laughs> yeah, rugby. Yeah,
0: but but seriously, is, is that something which you have to work on with players?
4: Yeah, yeah, like particularly the higher profile ones, you would you would get them in for some specific media training. Hmm. Um, So Gary, he's been in. A number of my clients have been in. Uh, And you work through examples. I generally go as well to make it specifically rugby-related and how the the likes of Pat and other rugby journalists will sort of ask them questions and ask them around the same question in different ways. But uh, you mentioned Gary. He's very good already at sticking to the script um, and not getting caught out. So... But yeah, no, you'd have specific training or if I see a quote in a paper I, that I think may be picked up dubiously, I would say it to him uh, or say it to whatever the player is. Uh, the social media stuff as well then, get How do you get a mean? Just, there.
0: Do you mean just an awareness that uh, when a player is speaking to somebody, when you take a line out, it can be taken up differently? Is that
4: what you're getting Yeah, at? or just to be careful on what you say because with some uh, media outlets that, one line will become the headline which Mm. isn't always the journalist's fault as the editor is the one who puts it up there or the sub-editor so players might know that at a particular age Uh, you just sort of it's like everything the pitfalls I suppose the the benefits of the media Uh, I see it as for my clients if they're doing things like Gary did with Pat last week at a personal appearance Mm -hmm. you want him to get his personality across Um, in the interview it's very hard for example post-match interview to be yourself you're absolutely exhausted (laughs) generally uh, you've got a microphone in front of you you probably if you've just lost you might not want to answer questions Have you ever recommended to one of your clients just don't do the post-match stuff you don't do well Nothing to do with me Really? Um, yeah, yeah that's the team so uh, no, nah, I think they're obliged to do it I would never say don't do one Yeah uh, Obviously if, if he's in a dressing room I'm never anywhere near addressing him thank God um, and he doesn't want to do it he'll probably say it to the media guy can you get someone else mm. or look I'm really not in the, I really don't want to talk now um, but I would never say it because it's not it's not really part of my brief so, so we we'll leave that to the club side. yeah the PR Media man management. obviously yeah. whatever Marcus and Leinster will, they'll know I presume they'll let you know who they're going to have post match in
0: fairness b- that, that's one area where your your interest and the club's interest is actually perfectly aligned
4: yeah, yeah yeah but the club's interest is obviously the club I'm more aligned with getting the players personality across if yeah. I can uh, that's what I would encourage but it's not always possible in certain certain Sort of interviews, depending what what way they are. Okay. Um, but you'd look at what interviews... You'd be protective over certain players as well. Um, I got a request for a player to do a certain radio show. And I didn't think the player was ready for it, so I'd, I didn't let him do it. Okay. Um, and in fairness, the PR company sort of respected my decision. They said, you're probably right. Um, whereas I know another client would have been well able to. It.
0: Is there anything that you think media might get wrong about how a player approaches their contract?
4: Um, Not necessarily the media. I think the public are obsessed with the fact that if a player goes abroad, he's giving up on Ireland. Um, I don't believe they should. For a start, it's the IRFU's decision or the coach's decision, if he chooses to pick him or not, if he plays abroad. The player knows he'll factor in, if I go and play in England, if I go and play in France... It, you it, have to it, play very,
0: very, we- very well.
4: Yeah, pretty much you're not really going to get picked. Hmm. I don't necessarily agree with it because I don't think Ireland as a country are big enough to do that. Um, England can do it because they've so many players. France, if they wanted to do it, could probably do it as well. Um, you look at Wales. They've, I think there was five players named in the squad recently who play outside Wales. Mm. Uh, Scotland have more. Uh, you see Townsend talking this week about... Uh, widening the search for Scottish qualified players yeah the English have got a bit upset by that <laughs> yeah, yeah it's terrible I see him linking uh, Robinson when he came across Jason Robinson when he came across the Rugby League I don't think he ever had any intentions of playing for Scotland but it doesn't uh, stop them making the link oh it? exactly yeah so, but yeah there's a perception that their only deci- uh, factor in the decision making pro- process is will they play for Ireland or not when players m- that won't be the only decision they know yes it's lovely it's a great honour to play for Ireland but if I don't know if you use an example Ian Madigan I think he's 30 odd caps is someone going to remember him 5-10 years after he stopped playing if he had 60 caps I would say no so that's one decision he'll factor in um, but it's not the only one Hmm. so if you look Kevin Maggs has 72 caps for Ireland most people watching rugby now won't know who Kevin Maggs is so you have to factor in what you're going to do with the rest of your life after your career hmm. um, if an opportunity arises where you get offered an opportunity and also I mean the lifestyle thing is thrown in there as, a, as one of the factors and it's true some guys just want to do something different hmm. uh, some guys aren't getting picked in their team again if you go back to Madigan he wasn't getting picked there was, everyone was saying he had to leave as soon as he went away then everyone's saying he shouldn't have left he's not going to play for Ireland Can it's I like bring
0: up a, a different current example um, Dominic Ryan Yeah So he's gone from Leinster gone to Leicester so Yeah So pronounced those two things yeah. carefully <laughs> um, How did that work? As in I, I don't need details but, well actually details would be great yeah. but you know, you know what I mean I know yeah, that yeah. there's a client privilege there yeah. it's his personal business that's great but there was obviously you need game time son as part of
4: that Well it was coming from him as well um, he didn't need me to tell him that he needed game time and he had looked before he was a client of mine he would tried to be released from his contract and the RFU uh, denied it so he knew whatever there's seven, eight internationals in the Leinster back row so he wasn't flavour of the month or flavour of the season whatever with Leo for whatever reason he accepted that but he knew he was 26 heading for 27 he had to go somewhere and try and play rugby so
0: so how does he become your client how does that work
4: he he. I got a text off him saying could he meet. Hmm. Um, so he was with another agent. Uh, I met him. He gave me the reasons why he was looking at agents. Uh, I said, you need to go and decide then. He then decided to stay with the agent mm-hmm. uh, and then texted me subsequently about three, four months later asked to meet again uh, and asked me would I do it. So I said I would. That was in November last year. So.
0: So did you find the club or was it he... Had found the club and wanted you to help. With
4: the no, he, he wanted to use me uh, because of the contacts I have outside of Ireland, mm-hmm. predominantly. Um, came very late, sort of November, late November last year. A lot of recruitments done before then, mm. uh, particularly in England. Uh, they like to get it done as early as possible. So it was hard because he wasn't playing. So the, there are the factors when a player isn't playing; it's harder to try and get him a contract. Um, the fact he's gone to Leicester Tigers is predominantly down to the fact that Matt O'Connor came in as head coach there uh, and coached uh, Dominic at Leinster Mm. and always liked him knows exactly what his strengths and weaknesses are and that it could fit into how he wanted to play as a team with Leicester Tigers Mm. so there's an element of luck Um, there there was other clubs looking at him Uh, but again for Dominic without breaking any confidence when you've worked with a coach where you've played your best rugby there's a natural draw to go there Hmm. Um, so that was a key factor in his decision making process but the big thing for him was I have to go somewhere I don't want to just be a professional rugby player and not play games so and that that happens a lot with players who aren't first choice players or have been first choice and then have sort of whatever whether it's fallen out of favour or loss of form or coach changes just aren't getting picked
0: Mm. It's Um, something David Misofora has talked about before, Pat, which is you know he wants to see a player willing to pick up the bags and move provinces, ideally keep within the Irish system, mm -hmm. but just go somewhere where you're playing.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask. Niall, I was going to just say, have you found (coughs) that in the likes of let's say Dominic Raimis often linked to Munster, like that? Have you found that it's not as easy easily said as done? Like these guys moving between provinces. Uh, Yeah, because some provinces may already have
4: plans in place for a particular position they may have permission to sign an overseas player um, and again it's, it's, it could be if you go to back row it could be they want a gigantic 6 so uh, my client might not be a gigantic 6 he might play six, seven, eight, which is great but the particular club might want just a 6 um, and it's the same it's, it's not really it's progressed a lot in the last 3, 4, 5 years particularly in England where they don't want just a scrum half they'll want a particular type mm. um, they'll want sort of a Conor Murray type player or like an Owen Redden or Kieran Marmion one that can speed it up they'll want two three different types of scrum half same with a 10 some clubs will want a 10-12 some clubs will want a 12-10 12-1st <laughs> so, so the
0: clubs have a shopping list yeah. you've got your counter going oh I have one of those Yeah, I, I can help
4: yeah, I got a UK club on the other day and he went through again. It changes over a number of months based on the retention and who they've managed to keep in the particular club. Sometimes they don't want to keep players. Uh, so It could be in August. Season starts, the guy ends up playing through injury and plays six, eight games in a row, plays really well, and, and that changes. Mm. So they're then not looking for that position or it's a different requirement. If it's a winger, it could be a big winger. And they they might want a smaller sort of quicker out and out finisher as opposed to sort of a a bruiser. Like you go to France, by and large they want islanders in the wing. They don't want sort of free scoring uh, wingers who are sort of very skillful, have good kicking game. They just want a big guy. So Mm. I mean, you look at Montpellier and your man in the wings just. Before
0: before we wind up, um, do you think it would be a good idea? Um, or a bad idea if all rugby player contracts were published right and by that I mean specifically length number of years and basic salary
4: Um, I've never been asked that I've no problem on the term Uh, I mean it's fairly common knowledge and within the work it's
0: common knowledge for you because that's your job (laughs) but when you look into media land there's actually a lot of chasing to find out even generally Leinster because they
4: don't they don't issue it but literally the journalists just ring all the agents looking for the term so <laughs> um, but the agents obviously have a client list and the expiry date of all the clients is on is on that list so, mm. so, so clubs want that list so
0: years not a problem but yeah. salary
4: salary it's not my salary to talk about my clients some are very specific you're not allowed to repeat their salary mm. which is fine some aren't too bothered I think some might like the fact that it's written that they're the highest earner. Uh some don't want it known at all. Uh, I mean you go to soccer, it's it's always speculated what they earn. Um but it's it's longer in existence as a professional sport. Mm. So it's just taken for granted. I think Ireland particularly, it's such a small country. G- across the board people don't in general don't like other people knowing their it, business. It's or a, their there's salary. a cultural side to this, yeah. absolutely, I appreciate so, it. So but then I suppose the argument would be these guys are in the public domain. Should it be known? I don't know. Again, I'm instructed by my client, so if my client says I don't want my salary known, I don't tell anyone. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> think I'm getting this ever, am I? No, I don't um, think so. The speculation no. France, is half the fun, though. Yeah, though. in France, it's sort of you see it written in like various files in the office of from over the last number of seasons, where it gives you the top mm. twenty top. Starting fifteen, what they're paid in each club. Yeah, maybe do, do that every so often. Yeah, well, it's yeah.
0: not always quite that accurate, but yeah, some of it's accurate. If your player is listed high enough, then he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that there. Um Noel Woods, player agent. Thanks very much. No problem. Okay. Fan questions and tips for the weekends rugby on the way. The hard yards. Passionate about sport. You're listening to the Hard Yards Rugby Podcast on Sports Joe. Thanks for listening. We're gonna look ahead to some of the weekends Pro fourteen games. Uh Pat, you you had a good week last week. It was three two to you overall. That's thirty four twenty three. But you but no no no. But yeah. I'm I'm being facetious. That was a couple of really lucky weeks for me right at the start. Um, there was I was watching the Glasgow Kings game and Jesus, thirty two point spread and I almost got it. Almost.
2: Hey, I was in. I was in the sports ground for the Connacht Munster game. and I was keeping an eye on that game, and I think after fifty-five minutes, there was seven points in it. And I thought that was that was money in the bank there, but uh, they obviously. Crumbled near the end and almost, almost, almost conceded that thirty-second crucial tr- uh, point. But uh, yeah, a good win. But um, <laughs> I can't believe I actually my team that I backed lost by thirty points and I still won that one. It's good.
0: I mean, in my fantasy Pro Fourteen, I picked George Horne making his debut for Glasgow as in from the start at scrum half. He got man in the match and a try. Yay me!
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is something I have to get back into the, the fantasy rugby. I've given, it, I've neglected my team. I'm going to give it some love now. Um, immediately immediately after this podcast is over
0: So next we have uh, Leinster go, L- go back to Glasgow mm. uh, one po- Glasgow a one point favourite do you, uh, how do you see that working out for you?
2: It's just both teams provide an awful lot of players to the, they do. To the international set up so it would be strange to see you know who's there but I think uh, Lencer were absolutely brilliant to back them against them and going to back against them again I think Glasgow are going to win it this time
0: I'll go against you on that Right, so you, you're taking Glasgow, I'm taking the Leinster side but you're right, there, it's going to be the test of the second and actually probably it's the second and a half strings in both those cases um, Munster, 19 point favourites against the Dragons
2: that, Yeah, that's a big one as well considering that um, yeah, Munster will lose a few as well but um, I'm just kind of seeing it um, I think I'm going to say, yeah, Munster will win that but uh, I'll go with Dragons to get in the 19 points there
0: I'm not sure I can take Munster 19 with
2: people out, but I will. Okay, <laughs> so I will. Yeah, because Clote might uh, make his debut for Munster as well, and um, yeah. they have Zeebo. This game, well, that's true, yeah. yeah, that's very true. This game is not televised,
0: there will be no P- TMO. Really? Yes, we still do that. Um, that's for another day. Might uh, might talk to the guys in the Pro Fourteen. It might be one an interesting actually topic because I know that in the Premiership they have a different approach to that. Yeah, so. th-
2: they're actually saying this could be Razzie's last game as well. Could um, be. Um, The way he's talking, the the sense you get from that this, it'd be a strange place to f- finish off now. Have
0: they not got someone in the Visa office to hold up on grounds? Get yet, him no.
2: back, please. Just just keep him for a few more weeks.
0: Yeah. Uh, Scarlet's are also heavy favourites this week. They're um twenty three point favourites against Treviso.
2: Yeah, um, which makes me think, um yeah again scarlets. they've started the season really well but I, I'm going to go with Treviso on, on that one as well I'm always hogging uh, going first so I'll let you go in next but uh, it's Treviso for me
0: yeah and so this is the week where I officially break ranks with the Italians <gasps> I'm getting off this bandwagon early Scarlet's
2: they, they probably yeah they will they might flag eventually and then again should he only have the two Italian sides to choose from so you could ha- see a completely different uh, Treviso side this time around. So. No, Kings against Ulster. So
0: Ulster mm. travelling, we talked to Fez about that, Ulster travelling down there, they're getting photoed in their shorts and whatever um, but they're 14 point favourites against the Kings. They can't lose to the Kings but can they cover 14 points?
2: Um, yeah, that's it's a tough one. Um, as you said, they, get, they can't, they're not, you're not even a lot of contact this week It's just going to be um, as, as Fez said like running space and stuff and not a lot of intensity to train and there was going to be around you know 217 fans at the game at the weekend as well so <laughs> hard to get up for it um, I'll let you go first I'll be
0: yeah in fairness there's my turn I'll, I'll, t- I'll go first for the rest of them uh, I, will, I will go Ulster on this but I'm not the most confident man in the world yeah, and I'll go Kings on that. OK. Uh, Edinburgh are two-point favourites against Ospreys. Uh, Edinburgh did well last week. They beat, that's a good win away in Treviso. And we wouldn't have said that in previous years, but that is a good win mm. to go away and win 24-13. Um, I will take the Edinburgh side of that. I'll I'll match you on that one. OK, so both on Edinburgh for that. Uh, Connacht, eight-point favourites at home to um, Cheetahs. Uh, that's an attractive game.
2: Yeah it should be good um, and <laughs> I think they were joking last week Kieran Keane um, was saying that they had the good weather and the, the win over Munster and they said they'd welcome a scrawly night down in, in Galway this weekend so um, they just know that the Cheetahs are just a running threat so um, maybe underplaying the, the fact that these guys are threatening themselves from um, from open play but uh, yeah 8 points uh, yeah it's Do you it want me to go first on this <coughs> or do
0: you want to go first? Are you confident in your bet? Um yeah. What is it? Cheetahs. Damn. Okay, yeah, I'm on Cheetahs as well. Okay. Uh and last one. Cardiff 15 points at home to Zebre. Um I'm taking Cardiff on this. I'm I'm off the Italians. Okay.
2: I'll, I'll stay I I'll yeah, actually I didn't think about all the the depleted Italian sides here but uh I'll go with Zebre on that and um yeah, that's it. So it yeah, it could be a good weekend for the for the Irish provinces but uh As long as I eke another point back It's the most important thing here Bit by bit Bit by bit Exactly
0: We'll see how the weekend unfolds Up next we have listener questions With Stevie Ferris
4: The Hard Yards
2: Now when the cups are decided You have fine weather But that's probably a two month period You have to do The Hard Yards
4: Hey that's the name
2: of the show Excuse the pun No that's perfect We're (laughs) going to use that now
3: (laughs) I'm on a bonus for that Definitely Get that in The Hard
2: Yards
0: The Hard Yards
3: On Sports Joe
0: Stephen's back to answer your fan questions. We put out a call on Twitter this week and this oh some of the ones we got in. Um, use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to ask a question next week. Uh, first one. Um, this is from Talking Leinster, weirdly. Uh, shouldn't Ulster be giving a young out-half more game
1: time in order to prepare for when Leila Fano leaves? Is Nelson the answer here? I don't think Nelson's the answer, no. Um, Peter Nelson's played most of his rugby um, on the wing or full back I know he played out half for Dungannon at club rugby but uh, you know, I think Ulster are just under so much pressure, obviously the whole Paddy Jackson situation um, isn't ideal so bring Cunningham and um, the rest of the, the Ulster management have done a good job in bringing in somebody of the class, of Christian Lefano. however, it doesn't matter how good your backline is or how good your out half is if if your pack aren't Producing the goods week in, week out Then you're always going to struggle Um, And I think Ulster's backs are, Are now even more against the wall After the two defeats Um, And the and the manner that they lost the two games. So to answer the question, Peter Nelson is probably not the answer. Mm. Um, And he's good in a nice open game of rugby. Uh, But you know somebody who's going to control the game, put the ball in behind, kick your three points when you need them. He's not that guy. But he's got a lot of talent. Um, And who's next in line? Are they going to be looking at uh, John Cunha to play the role he played for Connacht last season No, I don't think so. No, 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 I don't think so. We've seen how good John Cooney's been for Ulster playing mm. at nine. He's been fantastic. And then he you know, he switched to, to out half. Um, it's a good option to have,
0: but I think what we're saying is that if you're if you're actually planning for the the post-Christian world, which actually might be a great way to put it, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you know, he's not going to be your answer there because you want him to be your nine. I think he, the type of rugby that Connell played is, is completely different to what Ulster are playing currently. Mm. And with John Cooney at ten... You know, he's just going to look to run the ball all the time. Um, you know I, I think Ulster needs somebody like Ronan O'Gara or David Humphreys right now to like pin teams into the corners, try and get on top, force them to make mistakes. They don't have these huge men to run over people. Rory Best in his post-match interview said, "We don't. We're not like La Rochelle or, or Leinster. We don't have all the talent to come off the bench and these mm. huge physical guys. We need to use your heads. We need to use our um, agility and." Um, are better attributes and run teams around and mm. you know, try and tire them out um, and you know I think they, they need a, a 10 in there that's going to pin the corners somebody like Ron O'Gara would be absolutely perfect so Rog if you're well, listening he'd get he'd back from <laughs> yeah. Rassing and get over to <laughs> <laughs> Ulster there'll be a big paycheck in it I'm sure I was
2: kind of thinking could they use Coetzee's injury and say our medical joker is going to be Right out half so, here, here's,
0: so ho- hold that thought because here's the next question from Colin, Colin uh, Miller firstly was how angry was Fez on Saturday night but we'll we'll skip past that because I can feel it from here um, is Ulster's bad luck with Cutsey the only thing between them and a Leinster or what do they need so I think Pat that feeds into what you're getting at
2: there yeah it was like what's the big priority replace Coetzee or get an
1: out half I suppose yeah I've I've been thinking about this and I've been speaking to a lot of people over the last couple of weeks and for me Ulster in the start of their season, like they're playing the Dragons, they're playing Treviso, they played an understrength Scarlet's team, you know not not great opposition, mm. you know, Dragons pitched up the the Kingspan and they were brutal. Like I mean really, really bad. And Ulster still conceded twenty five points. And I, I say to myself, I say, Right, Stevie how many of that Ulster team would get on to a Saracen's team? Would get on to a Leinster team? And especially the pack. And I look at the pack and I say, from one to eight, who would get on to a Saracen's team? And there's none. P- possibly Ian Henderson and Rory Best at the weekend. He didn't have a great game. We all know what he's capable of in a green jersey, but we haven't seen too much of him in an Ulster jersey. He has been he has been uh, injured a good bit. And I think that's you need to have two or three, four guys in your pack that you can rely on week in, week out that are going to turn up and perform and also just don't have it. And is it is it Les Kiss do you blame? Is it Bryn Cunningham do you blame because he can't hold on to players, they can't sign players? Is it the She Shane Logan, the CEO, do you blame him? I, I think I think it's just that from one D eight, the players just aren't as good as the players from Leinster one D eight, Saracen's one D eight, La Rochelle one D eight, and Yes, they're good players, but they're not world-class players. You look at 2012, John Affle, World Cup winner. Johan Muller, World Cup winner. Peddy Wallenberg, over 100 caps Mm. of the Blue Bulls, played for South Africa, performed week in, week out. I was playing week in, week out. Tom Court, everybody says, oh yeah, Tom Court. Tom Court played for the Lions, played a number of times, went to the World Cup for Ireland. So consistent, week in, week out and that's the key word consistency we have not seen consistency from Ulster in team selection firstly but in performance and um, the players from 1 day 8 just we talk about McCluskey Luke Marshall Tommy yeah, Bo's back coming on. back from injury we've got Craig Gilroy we've got Charles Piatay the best counter-attacking fullback in World Rugby you know you've got all these players and then you go well hold on a second Like if you're not going to take a bit of pressure off them and do a Leinster and just before half time steamroller Glasgow Park and get mm. your get your team a bit of momentum, then forget about it. So, so it's it's just a very for, for for me I'm speaking like on behalf of all the fans that it's just yeah, a very I, I, frustrating I, I, time.
0: I, I can feel that. Yeah, you you've actually moved from sort of an analyst pundit hat into I'm Stevie Ferris, I grew up around Ulster, I played for them and now
1: I just really, really want them to do well and I'm frustrated. Yeah, and I go so so what is the problem? But well, why why are we underperforming? Why can we not produce the talent that Leinster are producing? So, what, right. Why? Question. And that's, that's maybe a question for Pat. Well, Brian, Brian, um,
0: Brian Hughes from from Twitter asked something very similar. He um, and what are Fez's thoughts on why Ulster don't seem to produce forwards of note, bar Hendy, at academy level? Right, so it's something we touched on. It would be some months ago now where we're saying, look... Why don't we have enough Ulster voices in the pack? And the starting point towards doing that in your starting pack is pursue, is the production line. And Obviously, Lanter's one is, is outrageous at the moment. Uh, there seem to be just scads of them coming through. <laughs> um, but is there something up north that we're not seeing? Is there, for example, do we lose players at academy level because so many Ulster, so many people from Ulster go to University in Scotland, for example?
1: You know, there, there are the wider yeah. questions like this. Yeah, I, Andy, to answer that question, I don't know, and I think that's the problem. But don't think anybody knows. I think that's that's why nobody has been able to put their finger on over the last four or five years. Why are we not producing the next Dean Henderson? Why is there there, there hasn't been a, a big back row really that's come out of, of Ulster in the last number of years? Like yeah. it's it's starting to get a little bit embarrassing, and then you see. Bring Cunningham, who's the operations manager, who does the hiring and firing, going to Leinster to try and pick up players, and it's just like this. This is this is really weird. But for me, Shane Logan, who is the CEO of Ulster Rugby, he knows. Not too much about rugby, but he's a great businessman. And for me, I think he thinks success is making sure a club generates good revenue, make sure that you're getting 16,000, 17,000 people And, and, bombs and in on fairness
0: seats. to him, every club will have people who... You need You need the mix. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah you do. However, now, now you can quote me on this one, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Logan had everybody, all the players, management, sitting down in the in the newsstand and he said Ulster Rugby are striving to be the world's best team within five years not Europe's best team not the Pro 12, or Pro 12 best team at the time the best team in the world the best club team in the world and I hold on a second here just because we reached the final in 2012 and the building blocks were starting to be put into place it doesn't mean in five years time that you're going to be the world's best team so you know That's him just kind of throwing that out there and that was to the players, that was to huge sponsors that was to the people who banned spending 150 grand to watch Ulster from a box that's the season ticket holders that are spending 1500 quid of their hard earned money week in week out he's going to every single night every single opportunity he had Ulster Rugby are going to be the world's best team in 5 years now hold on a second that's sending the wrong message And for me, um, that was the start of the downfall. Okay. Okay.
2: You can actually see, like, they're trying to go back out to the clubs. Like, like I was up there and they were talking about the the likes of this guy, Maddie Ray, who's kind of coming in. And it's the lads who were in the academy, didn't get a chance, and then were let go back out to the clubs. Maybe because Gibbs has come in, they said, throw the net back out there and see who's out there so it won't happen overnight but the pressure is on isn't it Like, yeah.
0: and I and I think that's an important point we just we might just end on it um, th- we have to get better it's, it's not concentrating everything in the academy system there's players who will always be like developers and in Ireland when we've actually got other sports taking rugby talent at a young age a few of people who are coming through and start playing the game at 16, 17 they mightn't be ready until they're 22 so once you're in the academy, that's great, mm. but it doesn't mean the dream is gone, and it shouldn't mean that. Just last
3: point. Last,
1: last point on that. Like I've watched some club rugby, and something that's missing within Ulster is I think they've got a lot of talent, but sometimes you need a bit of dog, and you need a bit of heart, and you need a bit of that mongrel inside you. And when you watch some club club rugby, there's a lot of boys out there would you know put in bigger shots and put in bigger carries, than you see on a Friday night. So I totally agree with you. There's a lot of talent out there that you know needs to be addressed. Right. Hit the road I think this is your new, new role f- <laughs> right. Stephen Farris has been announced as a new CEO of Ulster Rugby. <laughs>
0: there <laughs> you go If you're in, in a suit next week i will know what's happened uh, Use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question next week Also we had a competition on Twitter this week for two tickets to Connacht Guinness Pro 14 game with the Cheetahs this weekend The winner is Maeve Broderick so enjoy the game the Guinness Pro 14 final takes place in Aviva Stadium on May 26th. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster. Thanks to Stephen, to Pat, Conor Murray and Niall Woods. Alan McNan for producing and Paul Donegan was on sound. We'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app. Get it straight for your phone. I'm Andy McGeady. That was The Hard Yards. We'll talk to you soon.
4: The Hard Yards. Passionate about sport.